0: I'm Aaron Armstrong.
1: I'm Pete Moran, and we love to watch. We love to watch people surprise the maid. Prices are rising. The devil's. The- good um so yeah we're uh we're in the the the, the deep uh deep uh, south of the uh redneck horror month it is uh it, we're in the throes of summer still so it's good timing and uh yeah we just uh have been hitting peaks yeah. after the uh the nadir that was mother's day yeah well we've been hitting peaks there's been
0: one episode we hit we hit a peak we're gonna find <laughs> out uh once we upload this if it's a peak or a slope um, <laughs> anything is better than Mother's Day, so Yes. Um yeah, no, it was good to get uh the the absolute bottom of our podcast. You know how some people go like le- they're like, I didn't know I could love again? Like I didn't know I could hate a movie
1: that much anymore. Um, <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know I had it in me. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's anything that I've seen in recent years that has super pissed me off. Um I used to try and watch Christ like uh, Christmas with a capital C and like the uh, like a Christian Lifetime style super like wholesome Christian family dramas. I said Christian nineteen times there because I wanted to emphasize that there's a specific brand of American mediocrity that uh, makes a whole genre of movies. Okay, and these are these are produced by Jewish people. <laughs> yes, uh, well as, as, as
0: all Hollywood as all movies is. are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to be a flip one whether we decide to cut that out or not. I think I don't know. I don't know if that's mocking a stereotype or we're actually mocking. I'm not sure. I mean, I know what I'm intending, uh, yeah. but
1: mate, yeah. I don't know if it sounds great. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, we've had a podcast now for what is this our 17th episode or something? It's our 17th. 20th. It's that's we're actually
0: it's it's absolutely our 20th. This is like an actual milestone that wow. we have passed over completely. And um, <laughs> you passed over? It? <laughs> I... No, I got it. Let's move on as quickly as possible.
1: <laughs> and uh yeah, it's the twentieth twentieth episode. And uh yeah, I uh, I don't think we've we've shared thoughts on the on the Jews. Um I'm for them. Uh yeah, me too. Actually I have I have uh, relatives. Uh this is gonna be a real downer. but like I went
0: to the Holocaust Museum and I have like third cousins on that listed there. Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah. Was, so that was like I don't know if that like saves me. Any credentials, uh, but
1: like, um, no. I I want to be very clear. Our, um, well, let's let's be honest. Our show has uh, resolved around such topics as the apocalypse, rape, murder, uh, patricide, uh, matricide. What movie did they kill a dad in?
0: I don't know. All of them. Wait wait for wait for uh, Sword and Sorcery Month for Regicide.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Do you want to? Let's um, let's rock play? it.
0: Let's do. Let's start. Let's do our segment. Let's let's yeah, rock let's right it. into opening
1: segments. Say <laughs> <Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. laughs> the segment song. Uh, is yeah, it just I'm a th- riff, or is it a whole? Was that just like a verse? Um, yeah, no, that was the
0: whole song. That was that's been recorded. It's on Amazon. I uh, will we'll link like- <laughs> to it. It's called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, it's, uh, I, j- I went a little higher so I could harmonize with you, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Next week. Next week. Next week.
0: Yeah. The, we'll, the last 40 minutes of the show will just be us trying to learn to harmonize.
1: <laughs> Here, hold on one second.
0: Are you, are you going to get a book about
1: harmonizing? Um, I figured that would be a good, good. After you said harmonize, would be a good point to take a little break. Uh, I got fucking chewed up by mosquitoes this weekend. Oh yeah. And I'm getting some shit to put on my bites because I as soon as the show started i was like scratching until i was bleeding on my leg and i was like hey yeah I, I literally have i literally have dozens of bites on my no f- i i believe you i uh
0: <laughs> my wife <I> always <laughs> thinks i'm lying about mosquitoes because they fucking love me like yeah i'll have like eight bites and she'll be like i have i haven't even seen one
1: it's like look at my face <laughs> it's ruined <laughs> and it and, and, uh And it's also – mosquitoes are more attracted to you when you are drinking uh, because they get drunk off of your your blood. Um, Oh Well, that explains my entire life in mosquitoes then. (laughs) So, me and my my buddy Brian got like – we got chewed the fuck apart this weekend. And one of the problems was I put on – we went on a a hike and I sprayed the hell out of myself. And then I took off my hiking shoes and put on sandals for the rest of the trip. So, now everything on my ankles down is just like – dozens of clustered little bites fucking miserable because i'm just at work and i start walking and i'm like oh no, mitchy inside my fucking shoe yeah i had like something on, on my like forehead you know it looked like a
0: giant pimple and i'm like but like one that already popped and was like had scabbed over and i'm like i never had a pimple like what like look at it and it's like clearly not a pimple but like you know just kind of the weird looking skin i'm like do i have a flesh-eating virus And then, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that giant mosquito bite on my forehead uh, this weekend that, like, kind of just turns into when they're that big, they kind of just turn into, like, a scab.
1: Yeah, because there's just no not scratching it if it's on your face. So yeah, like there was like there was like 30 seconds where I'm like, I need to go to the doctor. There's a hole in my head, <laughs> and that's how you get infections too. Is the fucking scratching them open? So it's like I don't want it, the mosquitoes to doubly win. Why do the mosquitoes also? They get to take your blood and they ruin the next like three days. Like what? Well, why? And, and every once in a while they ruin your whole fucking life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, with with it, some terrible disease. Yeah, exactly. You get uh zika virus or the west nile or malaria or some shit have you ever heard of a trick of putting scotch tape on the bite uh no it works really good maybe i'll try that
0: i did but but see i'm a little wary of mosquito related home remedies because i have heard the thing like don't swat them and let them finish because the reason that you itch is because they have like some saliva or some shit that like stays in you and which which is true the part that's not true is that if you let them finish sucking your blood, uh, they take the saliva with them uh, and that stops the infection. Uh, so, like, I spent probably a few good years making my problem a million times worse by, like, just, just let them finish. Let them get all the
1: blood. I, I did that. I did that, too. That was, it was some fucking urban legend that I just believed for years. I don't know yeah, why I I, did th- that. I
0: I actually think of my parents. It's amazing how many times, like, I'll be having a conversation with my wife or something and say something. And go. she's like, really? And I'm like, you know, now that I said that out loud, I wish I could think of a particular example. I'm like, now that I said that out loud, um, I realized that my dad told me that and I believed in my entire life. And uh, let me look this up quick. Oh, no, that's not true. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's yeah, it's bullshit. I, I, that, that's part of growing up is realizing that everything you parents told you is wrong. It's amazing how, we,
0: like, that's why I think it's probably super easy to indoctrinate, like, children in general. Like, I don't think it is. Like, it is easy because there's there's so much stuff that you grow up and go, I don't I don't agree with my parents' religion. And I don't agree with their politics. But you're like, yeah, but I'm going to let that mosquito suck my fucking blood all day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Especially practical knowledge where you're like, yeah. well, I heard this. And then people grow up leaving the craziest shit and you're just like or like a girl that i know who whose parents mispronounced "noki," like the the dumpling sort of italian thing uh she's like yeah my parents always called it ganache and i was like your parents were fucking wrong it doesn't it, it, and she was like no no i think it could be pronounced that way too it was like go to an italian restaurant and have them actually uh uh mirror you did you ever do? The, did you ever do the like on a date at like Olive Garden like high school,
0: uh, where you know it's like anti pasta and you're like yeah. anti pasta? Why are they
1: against pasta? At an Italian restaurant?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, because I'm not an asshole. Oh, okay.
0: No, yeah. I, I'm just kidding. It's That's why like... I was a. That vir- was a. Vir- I was a virgin until I was 35. Did I hear that? <laughs> Which is which is telling something because I'm 33. Um, I don't know where that uh, baby came from in our house, but
1: uh, the Lord
0: through through Him all things are possible. At least that's what my parents said.
1: <laughs> all right, yeah, so you ready Let's to get, jump yeah. again? Yeah. Boop 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 boop.
0: Yeah, boop boop boop. I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you got a game for me? I, I, I do been, have a game. I, I haven't been a contestant in a while. Yeah, I've been I've been dropping the ball. Well, I, don't, I don't know if you've been driving the ball, but I, I just, you know, I'm ready to receive points. I feel like I've been giving a lot out.
1: Oh, it's cumulative.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm Yeah, at the end of this podcast. All right. The final score. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow Zach has twice as much as you do. Yeah. So the game that I have here is similar to the game we played for High Rise, where I took quotes from a uh, redneck horror movies and some we done this month maybe some we talked about doing this month some that we definitely haven't done this month maybe we'll do next year for our redneck horror month
0: so based based on all those three of those uh all movies. They're from all movies. It's from
1: all, all Red running movies. Because you
0: said movies we've done this month, movies we've talked about, movie doing this month, and movies that we haven't done this month. Yeah, which is so, all
1: movies. Which is technically all movies. The so I'm going to throw out a quote, and you're going to tell me if the exact quote is from this movie, or if it's from something else, and then I will allot you another point if you can tell me what it's from. Okay, that sounds uh, fine. The, the The second point is a bonus point, though, so you can. That's guess. not going to count. That's not going to count to my final tally. It'll count to your final tally, but it's total total free for all. It doesn't it doesn't hurt you if you get it wrong. Even even if I get the main question wrong, it doesn't hurt me. <laughs> this, this is not a real game. Oh no, no, no! no. <laughs> There's no <laughs> prizes. I'm putting like, a, I'm putting a nail on you for every time that you. Uh, I'm actually gonna go to your house with little little cards and staple them to you with the questions if you get them wrong.
0: That explains, I must have had a pretty good record when we actually hung out in person because you did have that hammer and the box of
1: nails. And I'm like, (laughs) what is, is this going to come up? And it never did. Yeah, it's a conversation piece. You should have asked to have the conversation. (laughs) Well, you know, I just figured that, you know, you,
0: you, when you go to a new city, you're like, what needs (laughs) fixing? So first quote, what's the matter, kid? Don't like clowns. See, once again, no. so now I'm remembering more of this game last time, and this is what I did. I was I was not playing the quote. I was playing what you would try to trick me with, and I feel like that screwed me over. I was playing the quiz master. Um, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't playing the game. So I'm going to go with my gut and not think that everything that my gut says means that you have successfully
1: tricked me um, and go for the opposite <laughs> answer. Um, I, so, no, I'm going to go with that's from The Devil's Rejects. Uh, it is. That's a Captain Spaulding quote, which is in one of the funniest scenes in the movie where he's like threatening a wife and child, <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds horrible, but the movie is so mean spirited that uh, a scene where Sid Haig dressed as a clown threatening a child in a car and telling him if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't shape up that he's going to come kill his whole family is uh, what the movie what passes for comedy in the doubles yeah, rejects successfully. I want to I want to hop back a sec. Uh, did you just describe
0: them as a wife and child? Because oh, whoops, I mean, <laughs> that I guess kind of mom and child. Yeah, I mean that kind of makes it sound like she's married to the, to the child. child. <laughs> And this is this is a pretty depraved movie, but you know,
1: not yeah. that depraved. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much just just the devil's rejects and the you know, the people that are pursuing them that are really fucked up. So uh no, this the normal people that get murdered are pretty normal. That that we know of, that we know of. Uh, Fun, funnily, did you know that, like the band uh,
0: they there there is backstory, so they might be fucked up too because that uh, the band that they accost in the hotel room. I forget the name. Uh, Rob Zombie recorded a whole, a whole album for them
1: that is not in the movie. That's awesome. And also, yeah. I should note something. This mo- The movie we're covering this month is The Devil's Rejects by Rob Zombie. Uh, and Rob Zombie is someone who I really dig his music. I'm not even huge into metal, but it's something that my brother got me into when I was growing up. And... Uh, so the, the idea that he would just record bonus music for his dream horror movie is a like, whole album for a band
0: that like it's not featured in the movie and the band doesn't play in the movie. But like he was so like trying to get everyone's backstory have like period specific details. He went so far as to like record a 70s folk album for uh, the characters in the movie. I'd love to hear that. I'm sure it's somewhere.
1: Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, I actually have a weird thing where sometimes when I get drunk, I really, really want to hear Rob Zombie. Just like it's, it's really good. Uh, it's like really Rob Zombie good. solo or like White Zombie. Either one.
0: See, um, I'll go. I'll go to Batmore for White Zombie. I don't know. There, there are some like Rob Zombie's fine. Um, it's not again not my normal type of movie, but I, like I think there was something about that song Dragula or whatever that I fucking
1: hate that song and even oh, like I love just that like, song. <laughs>
0: It just was, like, I used to like it. It was on the Matrix soundtrack. And there's just something about it, like, that I must have heard it too many times. And it did not, like, then rest into a comfortable place in my brain. But, like, I hate everything about it. (laughs) So, (laughs) that, that hurt. That hurt, Rob. Yeah, let's, let's get back to the quiz, yeah. though, because
1: so, it, it, it kind of speaks how excited we are to talk about this movie. <laughs> the, the the Everything surrounding this movie, kind of. So, the next quote, person one says, oh, I wish they hadn't let the place fall apart. And person two says, now it looks like the birthplace of Bela Lugosi. I'm going to say, uh, yeah, that is from Devil's Rejects. It is actually from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The horror reference, Bela Lugosi, uh really threw me off because- this movie is like weirdly meta in a way, like it sort of references pop culture and stuff in a way that like...
0: Yes, especially when they yeah. kind of stop at that, like, I, I didn't remember that line exactly, but that feels like something they they would have said at that brothel type bar they were hanging at. So, yeah,
1: maybe I just missed it, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah. the movie moves like lightning. But yeah, so the the next quote is, my brother here is tired of what's her name's face and he wants a new one. It just happens to be what's his face right here. I'm pretty sure that's from The Devil's Rejects. Nope, it's from Texas Chainsaw Massacre: the new the new generation, which is uh, a mean movie the I next, haven't seen. The next generation, the next generation, which is a movie no. that I haven't seen.
0: Sequel to Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Do you think Do you think like big fans abbreviate Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation as TCM colon TNG?
1: Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that was another quote that I was like, holy shit, this is a uh, very specific. Um, and took place before Devil's Rejects. Um. I mean, yeah, but Devil's Rejects is like taking from uh face, cutting off, wearing movies, so. Yeah, it's, it's pulling <laughs> directly from that. Yeah. All right, all right. I got another one for you. Goddamn, motherfucker got blood all over my best clown suit.
0: I mean, I-, I- I'm doing the same thing I did last time, which is just say the movie I just watched for every answer, but I'm but going to go Devil's Rejects.
1: I, it is uh, House of 1000 Corpses. So it was, it's uh, technically same character. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So, I, so I'm going to get a half a point for that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's Captain Spaulding, but uh, it, it's in the previous movie. Uh, I did, yeah. I did not end up watching that as planned. Uh, I didn't rewatch it either. I didn't like it when I was I was 15 and then I, so I didn't rush to rewatch it, but now I'm definitely rewatching it to see if, um, I'm curious if House of 1000 Corpses tipped its way over into me actually liking it. Oh, and so before we, we get in the, the movie, speaking of the house. Um, was that burned uh, down in the Motel Hellfire? Yes, it's the same. It's basically, it's the Sable Ranch, which is, uh, it's, where they shot Motel Hell, they shot this, they shot Hatchet, which was going to be in this month, but it'll probably make it in next year, uh, and parts of Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. The Sable Ranch really, like, we picked a awesome timing to commemorate this weird, weird bit of, of uh, Hollywood ephemera. Just to be clear, even though it is a good time, we had nothing to do with the fire. Very little. This is not an SEO boost uh, move. Like, uh, maybe we just... Uh, threw some some cigarettes out in the woods without dotting them out first
0: i did that in minnesota and then somehow caught fire in california magic (laughs) i don't know maybe god maybe god in in his own way is rooting for this podcast just a little bit
1: i think uh god has just built a land out of california that just sets itself on fire i think just thinking about setting a fire in california technically starts one definitely
0: definitely when drew barrymore does
1: it (laughs) She lives in California, so
0: coincidence? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) All right, well, you have your facts, I have mine. That's the way the world works now, so fuck you. (laughs) All
1: All right, all right, another one. I was going to take it easy on you and make it fast, but then you had to go and play the fucking hero okay that's
0: definitely from the devil's
1: region yeah that's otis uh, Otis yep.
0: is, is so good in those movies. Yeah, yeah yeah let's let's hold off because i have so much talk about otis related yeah so, okay.
1: so uh all right next one you paid madame xena a hundred dollars for this you crazy fool i could have gotten you one of them tent girls for 15 well you never were much for knowing the value of cash were you first of all your
0: uh your southern accent impeccable thank you uh, uncanny like i honestly think so. i thought someone from texas wandered in for like, to read those lines um <laughs> bum, bum, seriously bum, you're, you you were bum. just like kevin costner robin hood prince of thieves like either commit to it
1: or don't drive <laughs> you
0: pay
1: there we go <laughs> i'll just um, do a archie holler thing I uh,
0: I don't know, so I'm going to go Devil's Rejects. Have I guessed the Devil's Rejects for every fucking one again?
1: It's from another one I haven't seen, uh, Funhouse, which I just knew is a killer clown movie uh, about um, a carnival. Yeah, Toby Hooper. Um, yeah, the, the hoops. Uh, he loves killer rednecks. Um, here's one. Uh, you look like you've been molested by wolves. Not Devil's Rejects? Yeah, it's from Hatchet. Okay. Um, and then I have one... Uh, I have one that's a, a trick trick uh, question. Yeah, always always announce always announce your trick questions. That's how. Yeah, I don't I, want I don't want to fuck you over. All right, so I, I got a couple more actually. Uh, okay. Bobby, leave Doug alone. He's a Democrat. He doesn't believe in guns.
0: Not from Devil's
1: Rejects. Yeah, it's from the Hills of Eyes remake, which is a okay. horror movie I quite like. I actually think that's a remake that's better than the original. I would would actually agree with that. For more uh, offensive takes on uh, remakes, uh, visit us in October when we're going to be talking about some remakes that I think are better than the originals. I think, but yeah, but the ones we're talking about, everyone
0: thinks is better than the originals. Yeah, I hope so. Um, Yeah, I I hope so. I hope not one fucking person is listening that disagrees (laughs) with us.
1: Uh, No, we're probably going to, yeah, we're probably going to have someone on for uh, one of those movies who's like, oh yeah Whoa. actually yeah i do
0: know someone yeah you're right i do know someone that what light like, thinks one is better than the other yeah because <laughs> he's
1: he's our guest <laughs> <laughs> Dun dun dun. <laughs> um, <laughs> no wrong wrong music now i have to restart oh, the whole segment whoops. <laughs> um and uh the last one this is the trick question you've been talking about i'm the devil and i'm here to do the devil's business I, I think it is from the devil's
0: rejects, but he says a trick question. So I'm going to say it's from two movies.
1: <laughs> it's actually, um, Otis does say I'm the devil. I'm here to do the devil's work, but it's a paraphrasing of something that Tex Watson of the Manson family said to one of his victims. He says, I'm the devil. And I'm here to do the devil's business. Give me all your money. So Otis is actually a great quote of the movie. Uh, is Otis just paraphrasing one of the members of the Manson family? That's why it's a trick question, because it's basically it's basically the exact same quote, but it just has slightly different wording. Yeah, that is wildly unsurprising to me that he would use that.
0: Like, Rob Zombie, if he could have got Charles Manson to act in this movie, probably would have done it for like a cameo.
1: I, I can guarantee. Or at least like Squeaky Fromm or somebody. One of the ones yeah. that's actually uh, could see the light of day. Yeah, or or would respond positively to take two. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, it's true. Um, All right, let's 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 get into the devil's rejects.
0: five second recap it's basically a 70s action horror movie but made recently and fucking awesome
1: perfect the 90 second recap uh begins with the firefly clan at their ranch so the firefly clan are the most depraved awful sons of bitches that the south has ever seen they're a a clan of serial killers murderers rapists thieves and uh, they are uh, they're all living in this, this dilapidated house uh, on their family farm. And at the family farm, it's surrounded by a bunch of cops. And this kick-ass opening with the cops and the Firefly Clan exchange gunfire because they're going to go. Down, they're the sort to go down swinging. Uh, they're very. It's a very wild bunch type movie. Which you'll know more about that when I get to the end. The Clan escapes with about their mom. Their mama Firefly gets uh, taken in. Uh, one of them uh, gets killed, and another one sort of disappears in the woods. So this Clan sort of escapes and goes on you murderous rampage uh, trying to find some some safe shelter from this cop that's bent on finding them this cop William Forsyth uh, his brother I believe uh, is murdered by was murdered by the clans in the film House of a Thousand Corpses yeah the reason that he's hunting after them I believe is revenge for uh, the events of the first movie they uh, th- there's a couple events where they're just uh, murdering people in hotel rooms and assaulting them and generally you're just learning how bad a people they are eventually they end up at at a uh, sort of frontier uh, whorehouse where one of their friends uh, op- whores and uh, owns and operates. The clan is betrayed by him in a Lando Calrissian type move where the guy points the cops to where they are. Uh, the cop who's getting revenge takes the Firefly clan back to their family homestead and tortures them over their, their sins, their mul- their murders, because they they're guilty of over 75 murders.
0: They really oversold the title of the first movie then.
1: Yeah. (laughs) House of some corpses. So, the the Firefly clan is tortured and in a twist of fate, the clan ends up being hunted by this cop. They eventually escape from their burning house. Their house is burning down and they kill the guy that's been pursuing them. And realizing they're all injured and beaten up and maimed from their torture... Uh, the clan hops in the back of a convertible with their guns and decides to just hit the open road and to one of the best sequences in American film dies to the song Freebird. Yeah, which is like it's
0: almost a sequence designed as when you first hear it, you're like Fucking seriously, Freebird. Yeah. Like it's it's so overused. It's over referenced. I couldn't think of a more on the nose song. It's almost designed like that. And I actually thought that again this time. I know I thought it the first time too, but I'm like, oh yeah, this ends with Freebird. And like by the end, you're like, yeah, it fucking ends with yeah. Freebird. It's amazing. It's- like it. And I and I I almost I like I can't imagine Rob Zombie wasn't aware. Like look. I'm gonna be using this song. I know it's on the nose to almost an eye rolling uh, degree, but I also know I'm gonna make a scene so fucking good. That uh, no one's going to give a shit by the time uh, the song's over.
1: Rob Zombie is a fucking musician. Rob Zombie has had Freebird yelled at him. He played fucking shitty bars and he played massive stadiums and everything in between. He toured on his own, trying to like build up his own name. Like, Rob Zombie has seen every type of venue... Sorry to interrupt, but like, I I hope that when he now when he made the sequence, he's like,
0: you fuckers want to hear Freebird. You're going to hear (laughs) Freebird. Like, I hope this was a weird uh,
1: thing of him getting yelled at it forever. Freebird is a song that a lot of musicians fucking hate because jerk offs think that yelling Freebird is funny. Also, uh,
0: guitar hero players because you forget how long it is and it fucking that's a long song. Yeah,
1: exactly. You better <laughs> you, be fail, drunk when you, you start. fail at
0: eighty percent. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, God damn it! I gotta play that whole thing again. So yeah,
1: I'd like to. You want to talk about like uh, our, our history with this movie, quick, and then you can go first. Yeah. So this is a movie that I really wanted to bring on the show. It's fucking tremendous because it's a movie that I have a, a long history with. Uh, I didn't see it in theaters. I picked it up on DVD for one of my like I would have parties with. My high school friends where I would just try and find like sick, depraved movies to show them and uh, see who I could shock. And sometimes they were just, you know, scary movies and sometimes they were really fucked up movies. Sometimes I didn't know what I was getting into. So on one of my birthdays one year, I put this movie on in a room full of like 30 uh, like I don't know, 15, 16 year old uh, boys and girls, the reaction that I got from the room was so divisive. Like I had, I had a buddy slap me on the back and be like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And then, uh, I had two of my friends like kind of leave the room cause they didn't want to watch anymore. Uh, during the assault scene, I think it was. And I got such a mixed reaction from it. And I just got kind of, we all got kind of addicted to, to that and then we went and watched you know 20 days later and then we went and watched like uh, Hills of Eyes and Battle Royale and got into some Japanese movies like it's sort of this movie sort of is a uh, I remembered it being from a, ver- a nexus point in my life where I fucking loved depraved horror movies and uh, I had that teenage sense of detachment from uh, real life so I didn't really watch the movie much after high school because uh, I got worse at watching extreme horror movies now I'm better at again again but I got I got desensitized, and at some point in college, I got sensitized again. Yeah, I love it again in a, in a way that I think is more um, morally defensible and less just uh, me thinking that something is fucking awesome.
0: So, yeah. So, I've only seen this once, and it was, like, 2007 or 8. But I, I saw it uh, only as a result of uh, Scott Tobias's new cult canon. And I went through – I think I've kind of mentioned this before, but, like, my, my history with, like, horror movies and, like – I was the weird – kid in high school who like discovered uh roger ebert's great films and like the afi list and stuff like that and got really like oh all i'm watching are these movies and not like in a snooty way not like i wasn't still watching modern stuff but like i was kind of weirdly dismissive of like uh horror movies and action movies like like anything that wasn't really critically acclaimed or like subverting the genre in horror or action movies wasn't really that interesting to me which is which is really fucking dumb like but again Im- immaturity like you kind of it's it's that it's that thing of where you discover something and then your discovery immediately makes you think I need to exclude things that aren't part of this discovery. Like uh, so, but at the time I was working at a video store, and tons of my friends, like all they were watching was like canon movies and horror movies, and I was like just not renting the same stuff. Like if unless I watched it in a group, I probably wasn't watching it. And so it was about like two thousand, you know, mid two thousands that I kind of like reassessed horror as a genre a little bit. So I think that's probably a little weird to do is to do that, like, in your early 20s. to Be like, actually, this stuff is really good, (laughs) even if it's just playing straight horror. And and the reason I mentioned Tobias, uh, Scott Tobias, again, is that he was kind of the first critic, which is probably what I needed at the time, especially where I was in my movie watching, that was like – yeah, you know what, just because it's quote unquote torture porn or extreme cinema, like that doesn't mean it's not good and it's not art, which is why he's still one of my favorite critics around. Like he, in the same way that Roger Ebert changed how I looked at movies at the age of 15, like Scott Tobias changed how I look at, looked at movies at the age of like 22, 23. And so I kind of lumped The Devil's Rejects, I lumped like the hostile films in, into that same bucket of like, oh... This stuff can be really fucking good on its own terms. And so this was like right prime in the middle of like all of that. And I fucking watched it and I, I loved it. Like I really, really loved it. Um, and then, you know, I just kind of was I moved on and I watched a bunch of other stuff and, you know, continue to watch a bunch of other stuff, I guess, to this day. So I just haven't revisited it, but I always really liked it. And this time absolutely adored it. It, it went from I love this to – this is one of my favorites, and I think the change is because, like, I'm not at that weird, like, taste-wise, like, nexus of, like, rediscovering or discovering a bunch of stuff that I like. And now I can, like, kind of hopefully appraise it more as, like, a lover of all genres of films, and, like, there's there's a, there's a top tier of everything, um, from trashy horror to you know, exploitation movies to cheap, like, you know, I, I, I think I have a much rounder uh, cinema diet now. And so like not having all that, like weird baggage associated with discovery, it's like, it's even more of a masterpiece than I would
1: have uh, credited to in 2008. Yeah. You know, I think I'm just listening to you. I think I just real, I had a, like a self epiphany about my life in all of high school Going into early college and then, you know, later in college, I gave up on this. I think the reason that I watched this a bunch of times in a short period of time, then moved on, was that I became obsessed with being a gatekeeper when I was in high school in music and movies. Not so much comics, um, not so much anything really else, not books, really. Uh, How about I, cereals? Not so much cereals. I, I think I was obsessed with being a gatekeeper. So once I had shown this movie to a big group of my friends and I'd gotten the reaction that I wanted out of them, I was like, well, now I got to find the next thing. I Now that I have a more well-rounded cinematic diet, as you say... And then I can kind of uh, – I'm watching movies for me exclusively and – well, I guess for the show also. Well, but we're, cho- we're we're choosing the movies. Yeah, exactly. But um, now that I'm but watching I, – but I, but I know what you mean. But I'm not really – I don't think we're really hosting a show to be gatekeepers so much as like we want to kick off great conversations. Or just like, hey, I
0: never saw that.
1: Let's watch that. Yeah, or I mean, just, and, and then yeah, yeah, or just lend our own approach to the conversation to like maybe uh, freshen up the conversation. The idea that I watched it, I consumed it, I enjoyed it a lot at the time, and then it sort of served its purpose. Sort of leads me back here where I'm like, this stands up. Because I think that it stands out from torture porn in a lot of movies, and I think it stands out from uh, the sort of throwback movies that it was. It's probably lumped in with now because it probably it came out within a year of Planet Terror, I believe. This was two thousand five or two thousand six. Two thousand five. Oh, uh, 2005, was, yeah. So this Yeah. Two thousand seven. So yeah, two thousand seven was Planet Terror. Planet Terror was the <clears throat> the peak of Quentin Tarantino saying, you know, I was winking at the, my exploitation uh, references in in uh, other movies kill bill was basically me writing a love letter to them uh planet terror was Robert rodriguez and quentin tarantino saying let's try and make our own version and they though i do really like planet terror i think both movies fail in certain regards in, in, in trying to approach that aesthetic in yeah. ways that devil's reject succeeds i think of all the let's i think of all the uh let's go back and make an exploitation movie in that style movies i think that devil's rejects barring a few cgi moments succeeds. the very
0: the very end yeah but yeah. i i wonder if that cgi moment is just based on like how that film was shot if there was a way to do it practically with the freeze frames like if it did need to be digitally inserted later like so I gave that a little bit of a pass, just understanding how awesome
1: everything was. But yeah, that was... Are you about the gunshots at the end? Yeah. Oh, I completely forgave those. The only one that really bugged me was the, the knife throw in the hotel room where Baby throws... Oh, uh, yeah. Baby played by Sherry Moon Zombie, uh, yeah. Rob Zombie's wife, who, which, which we should note, Rob Zombie puts his wife in all of his movies to vary, varying success. And she's not in anything else. Like, I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, I, I want to get to that. I want. I want
0: to. I want to pause a little bit on the torture porn. But yeah.
1: So my because point. My point was yeah, basically go, go that, ahead. Yeah. that the the movie I think succeeds in ways that a lot of movies have tried to. I'm a big fan of Hobo, Hobo with a Shotgun as well, but it fails in similar ways that Planet Terror does in trying to replicate old exploitation movies and also sort of be a love letter to them. I, I think that uh, this movie and Kill Bill are probably the most successful. At balancing those two out, uh, paying homage, and yet being its own thing, not just being a series of homages. I think I'm ready for this to be a really pained metaphor, but Hit me. here's here's
0: <laughs> here's why here's why I think that is though. So I think a lot of times, and I think even Quentin Tarantino, who I love, does this thing where like he's he consciously decides like I'm gonna make a samurai movie or I'm gonna make a cart car horror or serial killer movie like he is like i'm going to he knows tyriel and he's like i am going to play in this style so it's like it's like the equivalent of like say a um a rock band being like we're gonna make this one like we've listened to uh all all the all the all the rap albums that are considered really good we've been we've been you know paying attention to rap our entire life Hip hop, we're going to make a a rock album that's like, it's like hip hop influenced. And that, that kind of feels like what a lot of these like Quentin Tarantino or just general like pastiche where it feels like let's, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to make this in this style that I've been a part of. This might not be true. Watching this movie it feels like Rob Zombie is like yeah all I've watched my entire life is 70s. I've never seen another movie. I've just watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, 3000 times <laughs> and knowing and that's and based on what I know about cinema I'm going to make a movie based on what I know what like what I know movies are like. So if he if he's the artist like he's the person who only has heard rap his entire life and then so he's like yeah I'm not I'm not making a rap album that's the only music I'm aware of And I know that's like obviously Rob Zombie has seen other movies. I think that's the difference. Like this this doesn't feel like a pastiche. It just feels like it's in his blood. And like when he made a movie, it looked like those movies because that's what he's been injecting in his blood for his entire life.
1: He's coming from a position of love and respect as opposed to a position of superiority, which it happens sometimes when you're going through these old exploitation films that you either – Um, You're viewing them as sort of the stupid antiques to laugh at, or you're viewing them as these strange um, versions of film that sort of uh, were being made alongside the mainstream. Rob Zombie has uh, so much love for, yeah, like Texas Chance on Massacre, just generally Toby Hooper movies from... (laughs) from that era the sort of coked out Toby Hooper movies uh eaten alive and funhouse and he sort of has this adoration for for the era and he wants to make something that he thinks would fit in the era i i think he did a fantastic job i think that there's there's very little in the movie that i, I have trouble with um he used certain modern techniques to even approve on some some older movies. I'm not saying this movie is better than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but yeah, I, I guess that's another way to look at it. Like it's it's not
0: sometimes some of these other like uh, people who are doing those homages to certain styles. It's like oh, I'm going to make a movie in this style. And while I don't know if he succeeds, it feels like Rob Zombie was like oh, I'm going to make the best one of these movies. Yeah, and that's that
1: was his aim. And I think that having the sort of presence of mind. That um, being a filmmaker who's inspired by exploitation movies in 2016, having this sort of presence of mind to be able to go, I'm going to make the best version of this, or I'm going to make my own riff on this, it's going to top, uh, it, it's not going to have any, you know, boring moments, it's just going to have great character moments, great gore, great scares, uh, him coming in and doing that, it, it's a risky proposition to, to come in with that sort of presence of mind because... A lot of what we love about movies, is particularly like let's let's just say like uh, keeping on Toby Hooper, a lot of what we love about Toby Hooper's early movies, uh, you know, Life Force and uh, the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, particularly what what uh, is beautiful about those is that they seem to not have a presence of mind they're not self-conscious they they seem to sort of just have a thrumming energy powers through them and the fact that they work so wonderfully as exploitation movies despite being so insane it it seems to sort of speak to like oh they they didn't entirely know what they had on their hands devil's rejects is, is rob zombie saying i know exactly what i have in my hands and i'm gonna fucking make it
0: and, and and what's what's interesting though about Rob Zombie like as a director, so I, I'm gonna admit he's only what he's done five movies,
1: he's done uh, Some, this, uh, House of a Thousand, House of Corses, Thousand Corpses, two Salem.
0: Halloween, two Halloween movies. I think that's that, yeah.
1: And I, I've liked I've ha- I liked um, uh, Lords of Salem quite a bit. I, I didn't get into his Halloween remake, but I I was told that the director's cut is worse than the theatrical cut. But <laughs> I'll have to. I know I, I don't even remember which version I watched. I remember thinking it was like okay. I watched a version with a really
0: terrible rape scene in an asylum, and I turned it off. Okay, I did not watch that version, so. <laughs> Good. Uh, good for me. I, I know some people, like, swear by Halloween, too. It feels like the rest of his movies never really got the acclaim. Like, if there if there was... I, but I guess, you know, now that it's always fun to second-guess yourself mid-sentence. I know I do it a lot in the show. But <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm saying it, I'm also like, this movie has gotten a lot of acclaim in retrospect, it feels like. Because um, this movie did not do well with critics. Which actually is a perfect segue to what I want to talk about next. Which is... I, I'm not trying to sound like Birdman here because um, I'm using – I usually will give like almost no uh, quarter. That's a that's a phrase the kids are saying, right? Give no quarter to the something. <laughs> um, I will usually give no quarter to like the uh, railing against like critics or something like that just because it's so – like they're not a homogenous group and there's different opinions and stuff like that. So, I'm not even necessarily saying critics here but like – If there's one frustration in my lifetime about movies, it's kind of like the dismissal of uh, genre movies as a whole. And if you're, like, really going to, like, zoom into one section... Like, our culture had a weird thing where, like, probably 30% of all think pieces in all uh, areas of expertise were about, like, torture porn movies and, like, uh, making that concept in the mainstream and, like, lumping in some some absolutely classic horror movies like this or I would I would say the first two hostile movies, uh, stuff like Martyrs, actual, like, mo- masterpieces of the genre and kind of creating this weird bucket for, like – I can't believe movies are going this far. And it really is. It's, it's, it's sad that it happened that way because it was the same conversation people were having with serial killer or not serial killer movies, but like, I guess kind of serial killer movies, like the boogeyman movies of the eighties, like, oh, now they just have Jason and then there's, you know, Freddy and it it was, how how low can movies go? And you can find reviews from critics complaining about it. My point was, was that just like those 80 serial killer movies or Boogeyman movies, there are some fucking amazing ones. And once you start taking any genre or subgenre and like putting these labels on it, You're forgetting that fucking every genre and subgenre has, like, a lot of shitty entries and some really good ones. When you're ready to dismiss whole sections of, like, styles of filmmaking or, like, subjects that the filmmakers of the time are interested in exploring, um, it's so goddamn frustrating.
1: Well, also, um, I think the hostile movies are—at least the first two—kind of fail at their purpose, uh, but— I think that they are unfairly just called these like exercises in shock. Uh, the hostile movies are very clearly post nine eleven movies, or no? Let me rephrase that. They're post Abu Ghraib movies, where the the concept of torture is being explored. Like, how far can can a good guy go? being a torturer and still be a good guy. And uh how, you know, how much are we underplaying the fact that torture is going on in Gitmo and in Abu Ghraib and in CIA black sites across the world? How much are we underplaying that fact when we can barely talk about it and then when a horror movie comes out everyone has a moral fucking outrage, but like we can't have a serious conversation about the actual torture that's going on in the actual world, like the the fact. Impeach that- <laughs> Bush is what we're saying with this podcast. I <laughs> uh, can't wait to do our episode on Fahrenheit nine eleven. But the, but the- uh, you know, hold on, hold on,
0: though. I want to. I don't want to miss a, a, fra- a key phrase that you said. Where I think where you said feigned shock, and I maybe didn't say feigned, but it's that. That has always been the problem, I think, why horror movies get getaway so easily, is because if you go back to fucking movies and reviews in the 50s and 60s of Vincent Price Price horror movies or Night of the Living Dead, or especially Night of the (laughs) the Living Dead, but, like, you go through the decades, and it's just uh, contingent after contingent of... I can't believe they're go- – look, look, they just – they're sinking to these levels to promote shock. And maybe this isn't even so much critics. It's more like the cultural conversation or the mainstream cultural conversation around horror movies that's so frustrating. These movies have more on their minds than shocking you in and, and the best versions of them. And, dis- and, and even the ones that just want to shock you, like, that's okay, too. It's like fucking dismissing a comedy for being like, all it does is want to make you laugh. Like <laughs> – movies are there to evoke emotions shock and that kind that's 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 equally it may not be as common of a of a reaction that you have to as laughter but like it's 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 okay if they want to do that just make you laugh and then the best uh examples why why i'm kind of harping on it more for devil's rejects is just because it like that conversation was so between the the uh you know the internet being Really, really was huge. I don't know if you know that, Peter. The internet was giant, like in the mid in the mid two thousands, and like being hyper aware of the the conversation as it was occurring and all this other stuff. Like, if there's going to be one genre and the that I think got more unfair criticisms, and I'm most likely to be like, "Hey, fuck you." Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's going to be the tor- quote unquote like torture porn.
1: Genre and, and let, let, let me let me get off my high horse a little bit. Uh, I did say earlier that can I stay can I stay on mine? You you are welcome to stay on yours. I'll walk <laughs> okay. alongside your horse. Uh, okay. Um, yes, the, a lot of torture porn movies were responding to Abu Ghraib and Gitmo and and such. Some of them weren't responding to that, or and were merely responding to the fact that being helpless is a very human response and the final act of this movie uh involves a long torture scene it's uh, wonderfully done and they're they the victims in the torture scene are so evil on every level probably on an individual level worse than um, most of the worst people that are in (laughs) in like i don't know cia black sites and such like they're murderers and rapists that love it they're not they're not doing it for political reasons they're not doing it for anything but the the hedonistic thrill and pursuit of getting off on their own their own jollies then they kind of like they're only loyal to each other there's a final scene in the movie where the the cop who has gone mad and has finally crossed the line and is torturing them and is going to give them the what's for is literally stapling uh, pictures of their victims to each of the members of the firefly clan. And the, the cop, is going through all the steps that a torturer would. He's talking slowly, he's calmly, he's taking his time, he's letting them pass out, and then he's waking them up, and he's playing mind games with them, and he's kind of putting them through all the steps that they would have put through somebody else. And the the movie has a very human reaction to the torture, which is uh you have sympathy for the people that are being tortured. Yeah, regardless. Uh, No matter who they are. And the movie is basically, in a weird way, I think, giving a sort of humanist statement. No matter how fucking awful these people are, they don't deserve to be tortured to death. Like, maybe locked up in jail and kept away from polite society. Like, yes, definitely. But (laughs) nobody deserves to be tortured to death and hunted the way that they... Did so to other people the movie does not want you to triumphantly join in to the 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 cops uh, rampage at the end of the movie
0: no it no it goes it goes out of its way to uh alienate you from like what in most movies it would be like the emotional catharsis like we went through uh we, we dealt with these people who were like beyond reproach beyond evil and they're finally getting what's coming to them which in most horror movies is like shot in the back of the head or you know they're stabbed or they're they're destroyed but it's not like a long drawn out scene and i, I love the way that rob zombie like take a step back to consider like wait a second you know it's, it's kind of that old death penalty argument of are you really better than these killers if your punishment for killing is to kill them are you better than if your emotional catharsis for these for a lot of these movies is is destroying the person whose crime has been destroying people what is that what does that make you as an audience member and I don't, I don't think he's actually implicating the audience, but he is going out of his way to alienate the audience from getting that emotional catharsis when the killers are finally, like, captured.
1: And the, the weird thing is uh, it's very easy to ghettoize a horror movie. Isn't this what – exactly what cinema should be doing? Challenging yeah. our mores and putting us in a a tight spot morally. Isn't that what movie is, sp- movies are supposed to do? do
0: (laughs) well and that's i mean that's why i tend to i I always gravitate towards uh science fiction movies that i i'm going to be more interested in probably seeing the the average science fiction horror movie western movie like any kind of genre pictures because i feel like they are the movies that are the most as a whole like collectively political like they have something to say and a lot of times they're using you know horror movie style stylization or tropes or science fiction stuff like that like but there – I mean, that's the whole fucking reason that Gene Roddenberry, like, made Star Trek is because he wanted to talk about, like, racial implications. But no one would believe it if he said it in, like, the 1960s suburban. So,
1: he, he talked about him by setting up in space. And everyone's like, ooh, I get it. And in a way, it's more honest that way. I mean, uh, Rod Serling did the exact same thing with Twilight yeah. Zone. In a way, it's more honest that way, though, It, it, it from a, a distant perspective, it might seem – a little bit more cowardly to avoid talking about the issue dead on. But when you're addressing it with art, it's way more subversive and way more maybe effective in the long run to challenge people's morality, challenge people's belief systems uh, in an abstract way that they can't uh, just shy away from if you just make a movie about race it's really easy for people to just be like i don't want to see that slavery movie i don't want to see that uh martin luther king movie
0: yeah, it's you know, and it's so funny because this is this is mildly off topic, but in that same, you're right because the the best way to like teach someone something is to never really feel like they're being taught a lesson until the the lesson has been taught, and I think that's why I'm not saying these movies are necessarily trying to teach lessons, but having like oh, for these sure. bigger no. bigger questions and bigger themes encased in these like uh, you know thrill ride type movies whether visceral thrill or just adventure thrills or whatever, like, it distracts you and, like, you've accidentally learned a point. Teach them the lesson and don't make them think it applies to them. And hopefully, it was the old Star Trek thing. Hopefully, um, hopefully you're watching the, the race that has, like, the black on one side and the white on the other side and going, that's ridiculous. They're the same person. Maybe you're kind of racist and then a month later you're like, oh... Wait a second. I'm ridiculous.
1: <laughs> no. Like that's I, what you I, hope happens. No, at home I was like, "Oh, the the right side of black people are disgusting." <laughs> The left-sided white people are horrible. You're just <laughs> like, just get a mirror. <laughs> oh. Put that down. You're confusing me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. And it's, 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 I think that approaching these, if not lessons, then challenging ideas in a, uh, an indirect way can be really really um yeah thrilling.
0: yeah so so yeah let's 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 run to the movie um one of the big things I want to discuss about this movie is the switch that occurs which we kind of already touched on because it's it's great how they kind of construct the first half of this movie as the you know the killers are on the loose they take this family they kidnap this family and then it really has um, after what I think is the second best scene in the movie uh, where the, the, the woman uh, who's in the mask goes screaming out into the highway, uh, terrified, and then ends up getting hit by a car. Once uh, the sheriff is like decides to appease his darker desires and kind of become become what he hates essentially, which is which is almost uh, exactly what he does. He talks about it um, <laughs> that he he needs to become like them, and then all of a sudden the irredeemable murdering rapist serial killers become the hunted, and the movie like successfully shifts perspective, which I can't I can't imagine what like I know it was an accident on zombies part, but it almost feels like a challenge that he set out for himself. Like I'm going to make the most irredeemable killers in movie history. Like there's, there's nothing there. There's nothing there for a viewer to latch on to. And not just in like a, Hey, if you saw the first one, you remember that these people are um, crazy killers. And now I'm going to put them in this different situation. Like he goes out of his way to underline how shitty garbage filth, human scum these people are and then he's like all right now let's see if i can get the audience to care about them on some level or root for them and i think he fucking amazingly succeeds i can't think i've I've been racking my brain maybe you have an answer peter i can't think of another movie in the history of movies that does this if it if there is one there's definitely not one that we talk about that does it this successfully, because this seems like the 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 smallest of needles to thread.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, that's a sort of um, the complicated morality of a lot of these movies, These uh, the movies that it's pulling from is rarely done so well, where they basically teach you that somebody's a monster and then, boom, they make you endear to them or... The other way around, you know, the the other way around is a Sopranos or Breaking Bad thing where they make someone endearing and then they slowly are like, do you really find them endearing? This is this is the inverse of that. This is the this is the this person is definitely a monster. We're going to be very honest about that. We're literally going to have a, you know, home invasion scene in a motel room to show you how horrible they are. They're going to show you that these people basically get off on killing. And, uh, when, you know, there's the scene where Otis is, uh, he makes a woman go down on him and puts her gun in his, her panties and stuff, which by the way, I watched the unrated cut. I don't know if, which cut you watched. The unrated cut is slightly longer with slightly longer shots. It is a lot less revealing than I thought it was. It's really short and it doesn't use male gaze type uh, photography to make it sexy in any way. Rob Zombie knows rape is fucking disgusting, and he thoroughly believes that his wife's ass is beautiful. <laughs> so oh, God, that was a note. Like you, th- I-, I wonder what Rob Zombie's
0: favorite physical attribute of his wife is
1: yeah so rob zombie knows that it's okay for him to sort of objectify and show off his wife because it's sort of an empowering thing for her and he knows that when women are being disempowered during these these scenes of of, there's there's no real like uh there's one scene that would qualify as a rape because he makes a woman go down on him for like seconds um and but there's no like uh scene of otis you know throwing a woman in the dirt and all that what you would expect from this there's no i spit on your grave like brutal rape scene that's stretched out and otis is really just doing this as a way to like degrade this person like he's very honest about what sexual uh, assault is happening and the movie constantly keeps your sympathy with the victims and that is even true once the crew becomes the victim's (laughs) I can't think of yeah. – I, 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 so I circled around your question because I know that there's something on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of anything that does it as successfully where you're like, oh, shit. Well, I also think it, it helps that, like, um, besides, besides Rob Zombie, like, knowing
0: uh, – understanding how heinous and terrible what Otis is doing is, which, again – I didn't think that we needed to underline was an important thing for filmmakers to have, but
1: fucking Mother's Day didn't seem to know. Um, <laughs> it's amazing comparing the two because this movie is a more is more is way more vicious and violent, and yet yeah. holy shit does it handle se- like sexual assault better. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, exactly. But I also think it's again to
0: underline, hey. This guy's an asshole. Remember that now. Like, I don't – he was going out of his way, I feel like, to really take where this movie goes and earn it. Like, there was no uh, sanding down the edges of Otis's character from what I assume is the first movie. Like, there was there was not trying to, hey, I want the audience to feel sympathy for them later. Yeah. So if I want them to feel sympathy for the fact that they're about to get tortured, I can have them be somewhat terrible, but not not like this level of terrible. Because then the audience will, uh, no matter how bad things get, be rooting for them to be to suffer and have. And I feel like uh, Rob. I feel like uh, Rob. <laughs> I feel like Rob. I feel like old Robbie boy. I feel like <laughs> Rob no, but I feel accounting. like Rob Zombie uh, trusts. His- like i was gonna say rob zombie and then i'm like well i don't need to say his full name every time but saying just zombie is weird mr zombie is weird too and saying just rob is especially weird but uh, <laughs> it feels like he um has amazing faith in his audience to go like okay no i want to make sure everyone is clear that there is nothing sympathetic about these people can i make you want their potential torture to end
1: Yeah, you don't have to want them to go back on their killing spree. You just want their suffering to end at a minimum. Yeah,
0: sympathy is not the same as, like, sympathy is just, like, a human being in suffering, and you want that suffering to stop one way or the other, which is why he doesn't let you have it in the easy way. But it's not, like, sympathy, like, oh. Well, I hope they get out there and get to murder some more
1: people. <laughs> they've had a they've had a rough week. Like, not obviously, that's not sympathy, and not what I'm talking about. They're irredeemable characters, and he doesn't tiptoe around that, and that's a really wonderful way to handle it.
0: He kills that. I think also too, like your thing about like how that there's no like real like male gaze or like a titillation meant to in the in the when when Otis is violating uh, that that woman. But I also think that's part of like the whole aesthetic that he's going for which I love because there's like there's like nothing that's like aesthetically pleasing in the normal sense in this movie like nothing is really sexy like everyone needs vaseline and chapstick like everything is like covered in dirt, everything is sun drenched, everything is sunburned, everything is just kind of like, like you feel it in the seams of this movie like the heat barreling down to the point that, um, you know, one thing I noticed upon this watch is there's a lot of blood in this movie, but even like fresh wounds are like immediately dirt covered like you can say like, oh, he's, you know, he's not making anything sexy in relation to what you normally would consider sexy which is like human sexuality but like the idea of even like um blood and gore in the way that like, people watch that and go, oh, look how amazing that gore effect was. Like, he's covering that with dirt, too. Like, he's just kind of making everything feel crusted over.
1: Yeah, the movie has a distinctly gross effect, but it's done in a very artful way, I think. he's He uses a lot of uh, very close uh, close-ups of people's faces that at first you're like, oh, shit, he's going to shoot this movie all in, in, in like – poorly framed close-ups of people's faces and it's like nope he's doing that right at the beginning to show you that these are you know sweaty stressed out people and then immediately after that he has a sequence to over the credits that's um uh, essentially a, a montage of photos uh, over uh kick-ass uh, southern uh, rock song
0: yeah also also the credits for a failed 70s tv show that never saw the light of the day yeah exactly <laughs> it's, but it's, it's shot just like that and it's perfect like you could totally see like all right let's see
1: what duke and the boys are up to exactly and it, it's it's Amazing because it's basically him saying, I'm not just going to show you this poorly framed shaky cam sort of thing, aesthetic. That was just a very stressful chaotic scene i can also beautifully frame shots the title shot of the movie is just a dead woman a wide a beautiful wide shot of a dead woman on a road with the car driving away in the distance and he fully understands how focal points work and like (laughs) yeah so it's really unfair i think when people rag on rob zombie for just like the dude who made like horror rock and now he's trying to make some horror movies because i think he's honestly one of the Best horror filmmakers of the past decade just based off of this and Lords of Salem and the fact that he has a unique voice that I'm not – I don't hear anywhere else. And he's a stylist that understands technique and why techniques are deployed.
0: Yeah. And there, well, and there's not a movie that he's made that there's not a contingent of people that don't
1: swear by it. Like, That's true. There are people that like *House of One Thousand Corpses more than this movie. I don't understand them, but they exist. Yeah, and there's there's, pe- there's people that – I've heard people say that um, – people I respect,
0: not just like random uh, people that just like being wrong on the internet publicly, uh, say like his Halloween 2 is the best Halloween movie. Like I've uh, – or his original Halloween uh, trumps the first one and they're not saying it like, uh, yeah, newer movies are better than old movies. Like uh, – and again, I've only seen his Halloween remake, which only – kind. Kind of worked for me, but he definitely had a style, and he definitely was going for it. So, the fact that it only uh, occasionally connected with me is not is not because he didn't know what he was doing. It just didn't work for me as well. Like, and when it when it works for me personally in something like Devil's Rejects, like he he completely knocked it out of the park. And I also want to talk a little bit more about that opening scene because. I had trouble thinking of a horror movie that starts with that level of like kinetic Waco style shootout because most horror movies are trying to, you know, start slow, maybe give you a jump scare. But they're trying to lull you into a sense of complacency so they can kick you later. This one starts with like a fucking crazy action movie police shootout
1: yeah the they're basically showing you that they're a vicious group of killers they're wanted by the law like it establishes who characters are it sacrifices a few characters to sort of kick the action off but it's mostly um just uh saying that this isn't the first it's saying that this isn't the first movie this isn't going to be about you know a killer house where people wander in this is going to be uh, a road movie that the, this is going to be about, sort of like Badlands or The Wild Bunch. It's about a bunch of outlaws on the road, and in many ways, it, it turns it into a western because it. And I know that's sort of a cliche thing to say now, but it is definitely a western. <laughs> it's about a group of outlaws who're hiding. It's a, out. it's a Sam Peck and Paul Western. Yes. It's a. It's bringing the. It's a modern like bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia like yes. type western. So it's exactly exactly. It's a grim and grimy western that is about people on the run. These dirty people and can we identify with them while they're they're, we're on the road and we're witnessing their final days with them and uh yeah so we've talked about the the kineticism of that opening scene and the fact that the movie has so many terrific shootouts from beginning to end it ends with the Freebird uh shootout that i think is i said earlier i think is one of the best sequences in american film it's Beautifully conducted, it, the, the level of performances are all sort of unspoken, but you can sort of feel all of them uniting as a family. They're clearly a group of performers that spent time together and like worked on their characters and learned to care about what the, what the fuck their weird little family means and getting to see them go out in a gla- blaze of glory, even though it's objectively a good thing to have them be out of this world in some manner. Um, you still feel like a little tragedy happened. There's definitely moments though where these three don't even
0: really seem like they're loyal to each other. It just feels like they're used to each other, which maybe maybe
1: a good summation of all families. The, they're the, I guess. yeah, that's true. They're the, 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 but they're the only people that like <laughs> the one thing they have in common is that they are not murdering each other.
0: There's that part in the hotel where Otis and Captain Spaulding are like threatening each other after they they finally are, uh, are connected for the first time in the movie. And I kind of rewatching it, thought that it was going to end with like, ah, just kidding. We this we're we're killers. We greet each other with uh, with knife knives pointed at each other's throats, and then we laugh. It's our it's our thing. And I forgot, like, oh no, it was it was that was serious.
1: And I kind of like that because
0: they're it, it, oh showing, yeah, it works better. It's that
1: showing way. off the gravity of the moment. A that that these people that are super loyal to each other are now turning on each other because they're like these are our final days because you guys and you guys can't even get your shit together. Um, well, he paid a lot for that clown commercial and now really there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no future now. there. Yeah.
0: As long as you're talking about Otis though, like I definitely want to pause for a sec to talk about Otis because so I have one criticism about this movie. Um, it has nothing to do with Otis. The only reason that the criticism exists is because Otis as a character and as the actor delivers all of his lines, just fucking, I, I like kills it, nails like kind of a gross character, physically, morally on every level, and makes him somehow charismatic um, through it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the script. Like there's some there's some great lines, but he is he is nailing that delivery. And where I think the movie sometimes, this, this is only like in the first half hour, the only criticism I would have is that sometimes uh, Captain Spaulding and his lines, he's not quite as good as delivering the kind of like self-aware type Quentin Tarantino dialogue that I think happens sometimes in this movie. And I, and I think that the reason that he doesn't feel like he's quite as good uh, – Captain Spaulding is great in this movie. Absolutely fantastic. But there's, like, some too clever by half lines, I think, early in the movie. I think that's true of Otis, too. Except that he fucking nails it so bad that, like, you don't notice and everyone else looks slightly worse at – doing it as well as him it's kind of like it's kind of like samuel l jackson quentin tarantino movies like no one's delivering quentin tarantino's dialogue as good as him
1: so i think part of the reason that you might feel that way is because they're i think well they're think they're giving very different types of performances Ka- uh, Captain Sp- uh Ot- how, how do i feel Ot- <laughs> so i think <laughs> i will tell you um well because otis is sort of like a raging id uh and so anything that comes frothing out of his disgusting filthy mouth feels natural because it's just like a you don't even know he doesn't even know what he's saying but captain spaulding is a performer captain spaulding is this sort of he he's there to deliver lines and he's there to like have witty comebacks and and you know make people laugh because he's a fucking clown like he's he's there he's he's spent his entire you know time uh as this character and so It feels a little over clever, I think, because even to him, he's putting on a little show because like a Superman thing, it's like, what is the real difference between uh, Captain Spaulding with the makeup on and off? Like it, it doesn't really like at the end of the day, he's putting on the makeup to become who he actually is. And when he has the makeup off, it doesn't really matter. I guess I kind of got lost there because Superman. But no, you know what I'm saying? You know. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 makeup is, the makeup is who he actually is. I like
0: that explanation. I think you have a very good explanation for why some of the dialogue is clunky. when Especially in the early going. But I don't buy that that was intentional. Like, I just feel like... Rob Zombie writes some very good dialogue, but it didn't work as well with Captain Spaulding's character. Um, because, like, the, the, the parts that were... I, and I didn't bother writing down lines. Maybe I should have. But the parts that were, like, particularly, like, a little bit, like, wincy was um, when he's, like, in a rush to escape uh, in the first scene of the movie when he kind of figures out that his family is wanted by the cops. And it just doesn't really feel, like, in character that, like... That's when he's kind of slipping into the the performer, like he's he because he him as a character is like rushing to escape and being like, yeah, whatever, you you leave, I'm leaving, you're not coming with me, I gotta get out of here, and like he's also like kind of delivering. That's like that's the scene where it feels like he's delivering the most uh, of the too clever by half dialogue and not not quite selling it. So again, I mean, that is the that is my minor that is my minor criticism in the movie, and the only reason I even brought it up was to like. Underline how fucking good otis is at delivering every little piece of rob zombies dialogue that could come off poorly when not uh executed that well executed might be the wrong word for this movie but
1: <laughs> yeah I, I i i don't know i i fucking love all the performances in this movie i think that uh except for sherry mood zombie i think is a capable performance i think that calling her a bad actress might slightly misunderstand what kind of movie this is Uh, i think sherry muzambi's best performance that i've seen her in is probably lords of salem it's where she feels most natural because it's a very calm performance and it's very like visual because she's like a very good i think she's a very good mover like she and i don't mean that in a sexual manner (laughs) i mean like she she has good like screen presence in the sense that she she can occupy a scene well and sort of like throw her weight around, or lack thereof, I should say. But she doesn't nail – is this a weird complaint? This is probably sexist, but, like, she seems too nice to be saying some of the mean things she says. Like, she doesn't inhabit the sort of meanness that Mama um, Mama Firefly has. Mama Firefly, I think, is arguably the best performance in the movie. She's just this, like, spewing o- over vitriol Otis? volcano. Maybe – Nose that's, to nose. That's
0: that's crazy talk to me.
1: I think Otis is like one of the best horror movie performers. Like if I, if I made like, a top he's like 10. A, he's like a Manson thought that hippies were pussies. <laughs> He's yeah, like, yeah, Otis exactly. is I mean, like Otis is like a frothing, disgusting id, but Mama Firefly like knows how to manipulate people and stuff. Like she's she's it's a wonderful performance. Um but but Sherry Moon Zombie is probably a very nice person in real life, and I don't think she can hide that. Like she just seems like when she says like shut up you fucking cocksucker or somebody something to somebody, I'm like, oh, you don't mean that. It, this this is this is why sometimes this this podcast is very illuminating,
0: because again, we both love the movie. I actually think the opposite. Like I think uh, I think her performance is really good in this movie, um, and for I don't the sad, I just think it's not no. But, but so, so what you're talking about though, I think is purposeful, and I I, I think it's kind of um, like she's the baby of this crazy family, and I feel like she is kind of. You're right. She is kind of like nice and weirdly friendly, but like she feels like. The like the infantile version and like has a lot of immaturity and but like also doesn't know right from wrong. It, it feels like if a three year old um, and someone who has a two year old, I can tell you they have a very questionable sense of right and wrong, but are really weird and goofy and jovial, even when they're being not great. Um, so like, this is like, what if, what if someone's emotional maturity stopped at five and was raised by psychopaths? Like that was kind of how I took her character. And that really works as contrast to everyone else, um, that feels, and I'm not saying she's not mentally sharp, but she has like the, the, she has like the evil of the rest of the family, but like the innocence of someone who has been babied their entire life and also like lived in a vacuum.
1: You know, I'll buy, I'll buy that. That's a, that's a, um. I'll buy that that's like a facet of our character. If you buy that Captain Spaulding is putting on a sort of show, and Captain Spaulding is so used to putting on a show that, like, yeah, now, now uh, keep I'll, in mind- I can buy I because I, I, I could buy that. I want to be. I want to be very clear.
0: I love Captain Spaulding's performance in the movie. You I'm just better, saying. dude. I'm just saying. Yeah, you fucking better. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just saying that some of his line deliveries early on, when he was, like I said, I, I think it's. I don't. I think it just doesn't work. For, I think the dialogue doesn't work for his character. At some point, he he drops all that and he gets fantastic. Like the scene in the car that you were talking about with the with the quote unquote wife and and his and her child groom. Um, they <laughs> like that is. Fantastic, and I will say, like, if you, if your goal in life is like, I want to not make much money, but be in a situation where I can severely affect children's psyche uh, for their entire life, be a clown. That's going to be your sweet spot for not causing any kind of physical harm, but really, really scarring children emotionally. Because yeah, working deep down. Yeah, cuz all you need to do is kind of f- that scene where he is with that kid is like think of why you need to <laughs> it's such a great scene. Think of why you hate clowns and if you don't have an answer when I come back, I'm going to kill your entire family. Like that, <laughs> that 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 feels like probably clowns have done. Maybe not to that level, but like they're already uh, they're already they first of all, who the fuck thought that clowns were a good idea like let's put these weirdos around children. And that's going to be what we do with our lives and our and our the, our most
1: precious resource, our children. Anton LaVey, head of the Church of Satan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Someone someone that fucked up thought that clowns were a good idea. So, like, you're already, like, a clown can be perfectly nice and friendly and make balloon animals and, like, scar a child for life because that's how clowns work. <laughs> that's so, enough. Yeah. So, I can't imagine that there's not, like, not nice clowns who, like, when they're not looking, like, hey. I'm gonna eat your dog later, and like
1: that, like and that, and then that's it. Like that kid is just broken. Yeah, the that's kid that. just thinks every clown is gonna eat their dog, which is a which is a harmful stereotype. Harmful stereotype. I was
0: scared of clowns for most of my childhood because some fucking asshole clown at a parade. Uh, I was watching. We had rented a van. And, like, we were, wa- we had the windows rolled down in the van we were watching. And some clowns decided to be funny. I was, like, four years old. My brother was two. Two must have saw us, like, leaning our heads out the window. And, like, we're smart enough to, like, duck under us so we couldn't see them and then pop up. Oh, God. It just, just some clowns walking in a parade deciding, like, I'm going to emotionally this scar a child. everything.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I got over it. But, uh, but seriously. If that didn't like, happen, would you like uh, Captain Spaulding more than Otis? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think Otis does. <laughs> do uh, that's. I told you I like the scene where he threatens the child,
0: <coughs> Peter part of part of being a clown is just occasionally permanently psychologically damaging kids. Jesus Christ.
1: But yeah, I, I think that the the movie has tons of little comedic moments like that that are kind of guilty laughs because you're like um, a grown man threatening a child. Shouldn't be funny, but it is so funny because he's just what he's saying. A grown man threatening a woman into getting into her car and stealing her car shouldn't be funny, but it is so funny. Yeah, it it definitely, I mean, it has the pitch black sense of humor. It definitely, I mean, it has some
0: legitimately purposeful attempts to make you laugh which again um, speaks to to zombies control the material where he's like okay I am gonna try this laugh um, yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't feel cheap and it doesn't feel like it's aiming for like the people who like leave the theater and like, I'm just like a devil's reject, like, because there are those people, but uh, who probably oh, yeah. self identify uh, too much with, with people in
1: a movie like this. And he's, and I think he succeeds. He's so He's so good at controlling comedy throughout this movie, even scenes that are like viciously mean. He's so good at controlling that. Do you have like one final sentence that you didn't get a chance to talk about? No, I think that the movie is brilliantly funny as well as uh, brutally emotional. Um, I think that we, we I could talk about this movie for like four fucking hours. Uh, but and we'll, will, we, we can edit it to make it that way.
0: We'll just keep yeah. it on a loop. I could uh, Well, I meant uh, like a loop. We don't need to slow it down. <laughs> repeat it, see if people notice. Because we, we repeat ourselves enough to make me feel like people wouldn't, so... <laughs>
1: But yeah, it's it's the sort of movie that I love because of it's sort of a chicken kitchen sink movie. Where it gives you the 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 horror thrills that you want, and it works well as like a shoot 'em up sort of violently vicious movie. Uh, it gives you laughs, but it also, um, if you're if you're still riding around till the end, uh, and you haven't put any thought into what's going on on screen, you're gonna feel pretty guilty because <laughs> it's it's it doesn't intend for you to just easily consume it. And I think that's a sign of of great art. I think the only thing that I would change about this movie is like a few cgi effects shots and i'm sure rob zombie would prefer to change as well but the, yeah. the final sequence in the movie it has cgi effects shots stre- strewn through it and it's still beautiful yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic. And and again, it only looks better
0: removed I think from the context of its time. Like when it, when it doesn't have that albatross of the cultural conversation uh, kind of hanging over its head unfortunately. It works so well if you haven't seen it or you were like shying away. Like I really don't think I think this is the case of a lot of the best examples of this genre. Like I think the the implication of Blood and guts and horror and stuff like that is actually worse than what's on screen. I might be a little desensitized, but... Besides just a, a better special effects budget than some of, like, the old 80s horror movies... Like, this doesn't seem too out of the realm when it comes to, like, how many people get shot. Like, no one's... You know, it's not fucking inside. It's... You know, it's it's just has some people getting shot and killed. And, you know, there's, there's some blood, but... Yeah, Unless you have no stomach for any sort of like just general level of gore horror movies like this, th- that shouldn't scare you off from this movie.
1: Yeah, I uh I actually agree. I think that the uh, Rob Zombie shows a remarkable amount of restraint. So if you're not into you know torture porn movies or whatever, I think that the um there's some you know trigger warning. There is some sexual violence in one segment in the movie, but honestly, most, that, most and of, that that goes for all movies we cover. That's
0: true. Yeah, so we can wrap it up. Uh, we we did have to cut this one a little short, uh, but. Uh, because life finds a way <laughs> not to 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 get get in the middle of our podcast, uh, so we're we're actually wrapping up Redneck Horror uh, Month, which has been a uh, wild success with one giant black mark. But we're going to finish it on a high note with a movie I'm really excited to see, and that's uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, featuring returning. Returning champion uh, Zach Groden, uh, the person who does our lovely artwork, and if you haven't checked out our artwork recently, like holy cow, has he been killing it this month? Like oh, he his always killed stuff it. Is amazing. Yeah, he always kills it. But um, and we are just going to quickly announce we don't have a lineup and a guest schedule finalized. But September is coming up quickly, and we're going to be moving on to. I, I forget we didn't really come up with a permanent title, but I think Bug Nuts. Bugnuts crazy. Bugnuts works. Bugnuts crazy is the uh, is the September's theme, and we're going to be doing the following movies. We're going to be doing Goke the Body Snatcher from Hell. Actually, I think it might just be Goke Body Snatcher of Hell. Um, <laughs> there might be something Goke Body Snatcher of Hell, which is a fantastic movie. I love it. I can that that is a movie that I am so excited. In the same way that Peter is excited for me to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I I'm so excited for him to see that movie Because I feel like Peter's gonna love it And if not, it's gonna make a very awkward episode (laughs) Um, uh, Then we're gonna be doing uh, Fantastic Planet uh, Haosu Also known as House, the Japanese movie, and we'll be doing Southland Tales as well. So, uh, you know, I realized that we hadn't actually, besides give or take a Godzilla movie, we hadn't really done a movie not from the United States. And we'll be doing three next month. So if you're into really weird fucking movies and or uh, foreign movies, uh, great news next month. And... Uh, we're still finalizing the exact order and a guest lineup, but again, we're really excited for that one. That's going to be uh, a lot of
1: interesting shit to discuss. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty pretty freaking excited for next month, and we're gonna break up some of the horror that I <laughs> that I think uh, we've been pushing a lot of, and then uh, then we're yeah. gonna jump right back into it for October. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's Halloween month. It's Halloween. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. the timing. It's a timing thing.
0: I like I like that you we're like we're not doing horror. Haosu, goke Body Snatcher oh, of Hell. Right. <laughs> just, a, just a different kind. Yeah, just a different kind. Uh, uh, the best way to support us, guys, is to uh, review us, rate us on iTunes. I know you're sick of us saying it. We're sick of saying it, but it, it uh, it's the best way to kind of give more visibility to our podcast beyond uh, you regular listeners. So if you like the show and are like, hey, I'd like to recommend this to people, but uh, we all know the same people. Um, <laughs> I would, I would recommend, uh, doing it that way. So yep. again, thanks. So, thanks so much for listening. We're excited uh, to be back next week with Zach Groden and, uh, don't, don't reject this movie cause it's th- good. <laughs>
1: To watch if you want to get in touch with us please reach out to us at either our website wltwpodcast.com or our facebook group facebook.com backslash we love to watch and uh, yeah reach out to us give us some feedback give us some support uh, suggest movies for the show all that we are also available on soundcloud TuneIn, stitcher and itunes thanks for listening